Today is the eighth Sunday after Pentecost. We commemorate St. Dominic in today's Mass, and the preface is a preface of the Blessed Trinity. The epistle point for today's Mass is taken from the epistle of St. Paul to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you shall die. But if by the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. For whosoever are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself gives testimony to our spirit that we are the sons of God and of sons heirs also, heirs indeed of God and joint heirs with Christ. The Gospel appointed for today's Mass, taken the Gospel of St. Luke, in chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. At that time, Jesus spoke to his disciples this parable. There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said to him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for now thou canst be steward no longer. And the steward said within himself, What shall I do, because my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship? To dig I am not able, to beg I am ashamed. I know what I will do, that when I shall be put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their homes, houses. Therefore, calling together every one of his Lord's debtors, he said to the first, How much dost thou owe my Lord? But he said, A hundred barrels of oil. And he said to him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much dost thou owe? Who said, A hundred quarters of wheat. He said to him, Take thy bill, and write eighty. And the Lord commended the unjust steward for as much as he had done wisely. For the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. And I say to you, Make unto you friends of the mammon of iniquity, that when you shall fail, they may receive you into, into everlasting dwellings. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. How is it that I hear this of thee, given an account of thy stewardship, for now thou canst be steward no longer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This parable our Lord gave in the gospel today will in probably in more or less the same words will be addressed to each and every one of us. Give an account of thy stewardship. For sooner or later, sooner or later, this life will end and then death will call. And that will be the end of this world, what we know of this world for each and every one of us. And as the spiritual writers say, if we remember the four last things, it says, well, it says, they'll say we never sin. Of course, the first of those is death. Death. That's the first thing. Death. And then it will be judgment. At that point in time, we'll have to get an account of our stewardship of this whole life of our, uh, that we've lived in this world. And we'll do this immediately after death. And that leads us to the second of the four last things, and that's judgment. It'll be what we refer to as a particular judgment. It's almost at that point in time, if I can be a little bit profane, it's like the aha moment. Aha, now I got an answer for everything I've done. How I've misjudged someone, how I judged them rashly, how I judged them harshly, how I did all the things I did. But it's, the particular judgment is called secret because it won't be a public thing. The whole, no one will know about it, just, just between you and God, the individual and God. And hence, it's particular. It's particularly for this person. So the first judgment 
is called the particular judgment because everyone is judged in particular, separately, singly, individually. Uh, a contradistinction to what we call the end, at the end of the world, we call it the general judgment in which all men will be judged together and at that time it will be public and all men will know why this individual received the sentence that he received, the judgment that this individual received. One scarcely need to remark that both judgments, the sentence will be the same for the individual. However, the second judgment, everyone will know. Mother, father, brother, sister, everyone will know. And of course, at the general judgment, at the end of the world, there will be no purgatory. Because at that point in time, not only will, will the world end, but also purgatory will no longer be. There will be but two everlasting places, heaven or hell. But I want to talk about the particular judgment. The particular judgment. Three things come to mind. It's like, not that it makes much difference, I guess, but when will it take place? Where will it take place? And the most important if it be, would be, what must we do to prepare for that? To prepare ourselves for that particular judgment. Theologians say that the particular judgment, when the individual dies, and the world continues on, it's not the end of the world, will be held immediately at the death of that person. One can, I suppose, find, or I know you can find numerous references in sacred scripture. But that being said, as soon as one dies, that person receives this individual judgment then and there. And the reward of punishment, likewise, will be meted out at that point in time. As soon as the soul leaves the body, and when the soul leaves the body, that, body is, that person is dead, that body starts corrupting at that moment. And at that very moment, that same moment, the soul is judged. And the fate decided will be for all eternity. As far as where it's at, it's not really critical. But the opinion, the general opinion of theologians is that it takes place right where the person dies. And the argument for that is that God's everywhere, and therefore his tribunal is everywhere. The soul need not make any journey, really though we talk about coming before the judgment seat. But the very spot where the soul departs from the body, it will be judged, wherever it may be, in bed, at home, traveling, wherever it might be. It may happen that when a person is judged, it'll be in the very person, he, very place he's been, he committed some evil, some sin. But regardless, it does make a difference where it's at. But the important question is, when the soul comes before the judgment seat, it will be alone, it will be unattended by no one. And at the judgment seat, when we give an accounting of our stewardship, we can't go and point our finger at this person or that person and say, well, this happened there. We don't have to do that. God will know that. We won't have anyone there we can point to. There's be no one there to defend us. We won't have our attorney, our lawyer there. We'll have to stand up 
and not defend ourselves, we'll have to accuse ourselves. And we will be a judge, and we will know every sin we committed, all the sins that we committed, even the ones we've forgotten throughout life. It will come to mind, and we'll be judged. Not only is the soul separated from the body at that point in time, several things happened. At that moment, the soul starts corrupting. Even though you and I may not see it, the soul sees it. The soul sees that that soul no longer is, is an abode for, it, for the, that body is no longer the abode for that soul. Things have changed so drastically that soul will not stay there. It almost will not recognize itself that soon after the soul leaves. But when it leaves, it's also separated from everything, earthly goods. We have to leave behind all our property. If we had some honor or some dignity that we're proud of, that we've acquired, that's gone. It's gone. Death is like a robber. Strips us of all our possessions and leaves us nothing but our bare life. Separated from all men, from all our relatives, separated from our friends, And not one of them, not one of them will come before the judgment seat and plead our cause. It's almost as if we've been abandoned by everyone. That happens as soon as the soul is separated from the body. At that very moment, the investigation begins. The investigation will begin, extends itself not only to thoughts, words, actions, but also, as we learn in the catechism, omissions. We can sin by omission. We were not charitable when we could have been. We were not, uh, well, all the things, all the omissions that we should have committed or done and we didn't do. Also, we'll be judged for all those graces that's been handed us, that was available to us, and we did nothing with them. In fact, we refused them. We turned away from them. We, we put a block up in front of them that we didn't want them. Those graces that were possibly the very means of our salvation. When we examine our conscience, when our sins are brought before our mind, the investigation will all bring, also bring to mind the duties that we had. According to uh, duties of religion, our duties of our state in life, the circumstances our intentions for the actions that we committed, the sins or the actions that we've performed, good, bad, or indifferent. And even it'll come to mind, the investigation will bring to mind how we perform them, carefully or sloppily, cheerfully or grumpy, grumpy, whatever it might have been, right then and there, or maybe it's done later, years later. But Christ will bring everything and I mean everything. Bring everything to light. And there, it'll God will present, our Lord will present it to the soul, bring it before the soul. And even those things we have forgotten about, and maybe even those things we even recognize as being sins, that's what's going to happen at the judgment. 
the judgment actually is going to be threefold, and that leads us to the last part of the four last things. I said there's four last things, death, judgment, heaven or hell. Uh, the judgment, we'll, we'll, we come to the part of heaven and hell. If one's in the state of grace, without any stain of sin, one's admitted immediately, immediately into heaven. The soul departs this life in the state of grace, not defiled by even the slightest venial sin. And satisfaction has been made for all the sins that we have committed. That soul goes to heaven. But if such a soul in the state of grace, but defiled by original sin, or actual sin, venial sin, venial sin, just mind you, venial sin, or has not made complete satisfaction, such what God's laws requires, that soul go to purgatory. Destined for heaven, but purgatory first with the assurance that it will not leave purgatory until that last farthing is paid. And the soul, upon hearing the judgment of purgatory, what I've read is that the soul will be overwhelmed with sadness, with regret not to despair, but regret up to almost despair. Regretting, regretting that they had not been more careful to avoid venial sins. That there was a want of zeal <clears throat> on their part. Or that they were saddened that they didn't make perfect satisfaction for the temple punishment due to their sins. And of course, the last, death, judgment, heaven, last is hell. A soul departing from this life in the state of mortal sin, it goes down to hell, full of hatred for God and man. And of course, they'll hear the sentence from our Lord, says, depart from me, thou cursed into everlasting fire that was prepared for you, preferred for the devil and his angels. One couldn't even describe, I don't think, the terror that one, those who go to hell. It's said that the children of Fatima were allowed a vision of hell. If it weren't sustained by Our Lady, they would have died for fright. Can you imagine being so frightened that one would die from fright? Uh, it's beyond comprehension. Have you ever been so frightened you thought you would have died? But imagine that fright going farther that you did die. Not just seeing hell and going towards hell. It's intimidating. If, if not before, at that point in time, something, that, that is a deterring factor. And so how do we prepare ourselves for the judgment? After death, we have the judgment. How do we prepare ourselves for judgment that we don't receive that last of the four things, but we receive the third of the last of four things? Well, maybe we should judge ourselves. Judge ourselves. And if we had judged ourselves, maybe God would not judge us. St. Paul tells us that we should prepare ourselves for the judgment so that we may find ourselves looked upon favorably by Almighty God. 
And if we judge ourselves, if we examine our conscience, we're still alive, we're still breathing. We can make changes. And what we should do, though, maybe we should look at our past life. Not that we can change what we've done in our past life, but we certainly we can make reparation for it. If we've acted as... And usually, probably one of the biggest sins is against charity. That if we examine our conscience, we can see, really, did we practice charity in all, in all times, at times in our past life? At what times? How much did we practice? And to what degree did we practice charity? And then, of course, we should look back in our past life and see where we have sinned in thought, word, deed, or, of course, omission, if, we've been om- if we omitted performing some good work that should have been done. Or maybe we omitted making atonement for our sins, repair the injuries to the best of our ability, or returned ill-gotten goods, whatever. All these things. We should look at the past life. Usually I'll tell someone, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, the past is gone. I don't deal with the past. I deal with the present. I look to the past, deal with the present, and look forward to the future. And the future says, even here and now, we need a, if we need a confession, we should go as soon as possible. No one, no one should die without making a confession, a good confession. And it's been a long time, maybe we should make a general confession. But looking to what we are doing here and now, first off, we should look to the duties that we have that are imposed upon us by our religion. And ask ourselves, right now, here and now, do I love God above all things? And do I show it by my actions, by my words, by my thoughts? And what happens if I have evil thoughts? Do I repel them? And of course, in examination of conscience, we should examine our conscience to see if we've offended God by a mortal sin. And if we have, we should make a, immediately make a perfect act of contrition and then get confession as soon as possible. Likewise, we should look to see if we have an inordinate affection to the things of this, of this world. Because if we have our affections seated in this world, uh, our Lord tells us that it's either, either we love God or mammons, we can't be both. And we can't, either we hot or cold, we can't be in the middle. Ask yourself, do I pray? And how do I pray? Do I sanct the Sundays and the holy days? Do I receive Holy Communion frequently, sacraments frequently, as much as possible? Do I read spiritual books? Do I love my mother? Uh, do I love uh, everyone? Do I mean well to everyone? All the questions, all the questions we can ask and look to see if we're envious of the rich, uh, if we've been industrious, if we be, have been the good steward, if we've had an honest living. And if after, if after this examination, we find some points that deserve censure, then let's make the the proper resolution here and now for amendment. Let's change the circumstance so it doesn't carry on. Let's be like King David of the Old Testament. 
King David said sinned once, but he wept a lifetime. So today, examine your past life. Rectify the errors and mistakes without delay. Go to confession. If needs be, make it a general confession. And don't let a day pass without repenting for your faults and make sure you start expiating them by the various works of penance, prayers, mortifications, sacrifices, one kind or another. And above all things, looking to the future, avoid, avoid all sin, much particularly all mortal sin. And of course, let it be that you practice the virtues. And let the virtues be practiced every day. It just isn't a Sunday thing. But let it be practiced at all times. And let it be that this becomes the mode or the way of life for the rest of your life. In such a way that when you come before the judgment seat, wherever it may be, wherever you may die, that you will be judged mercifully. May God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.